Attention, the movie guys love movies. Any comments about a Miracles from Heaven actress adding to her regular performance as credit card enthusiast are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, Jennifer Garner? Because there's no other way to explain her career other than a gift from God. Oh, oh, see, right off the on. bat, right off the bat, I'm singing you. Right off the bat, we want to establish our personas here on the <laughs> show. Spoken like a man that's never seen Alias. Hello. <laughs> this is true. You. This is true. Well, I matter of fact, I think I loved career. her in Angel. Then on her. No. no. Oh, that's David Boreanaz. What no. <laughs> so what was that chick in the Angel? Oh, the Roma Downey. No, the TV series. Oh, from Heaven, Jessica Biel. Angels, Thank you. Angels from Things. No. Uh, somebody somebody figured this. You're talking, talking about what I'm talking, talking about. Touched she, by an angel. No, ah, there was another. That's what she's this movie great looks in like. Juno. There was What's another. Wrong with you? Angels in the outfield. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> and I was thinking of Tony Danza. Now I'm straight. There we okay. go. That's who was it. It wasn't Wait. Jennifer Garner. It was Tony Danza Wait. and Angels in the Outfield. I give her, her Juno. I give her Juno. I give her Dallas Buyers Club. I give her The Kingdom. Oh, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, yeah. No, that was just a zinger because you know that's what I do. No, there was a movie, not a movie, a TV show that was a lot like Alias. Where she was a kind of a spy, karate chopping. It was a Jessica girl. Oh, you're talking about Dark Angel. Oh, Dark Angel. Thank with you. With Jessica hey. Alba. Thank a completely you. different person. How hard yes. was that to come up with, people? Uh, I do not think that's a weird path. I get the three <laughs> of them you, confused. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, welcome to the movie showcast, everybody. Where we're all about old TV shows. Apparently. So that's uh, how it's going to be here, today. Let me, <laughs> let, me, let me clear up the confusion. It's not Dark Angel. It's Electra. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So that uh, keep him going. Uh, this is, of course, the showcast part of the vast and sprawling movie guys empire, and you're off the edge of the map, mate. Here there be monsters. You've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, characters, banter. You've oh heard my banter. Gosh. Lively Clearly. banter. So we don't have to do any more of that, right? That's no, you're nerve. done. Okay. You're it's good, enough. Bart. Special <laughs> guests and more as we broadcast from our studio, the Admirals Club, in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. They don't stop making movies, so we don't stop making comedy shows about movies, which means you can get a new show every week at themovieguys.net. Go to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Vimeo, etc. Absolutely free. And we encourage you to subscribe, share and like posts, and leave reviews, all that fun stuff. And if you do... Paul, you know, I didn't have a chance to go to my tip jar last night after my last shift, so I don't have any cash on me. How much would that cost? If you do all the subscribing yeah. and the leaving a review yes, mm-hmm. and the sharing and liking posts. Yeah, because posts. now I don't even think I have enough money for all this. Still free. Wow. Wow. Still free. Uh, We're also on WBAD.net Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's $400. Okay. (laughs) And the great WRFA 107.9 in Jamestown, New York, every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Basically, just search uh, Yahoo, Bing, or Google. 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 And we come right up. I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show on the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Adam Witt. Otisberg. (laughs) Bart Caius. You're doing great, June. Now open the door. And Karen Volpe. And then depression set in. (laughs) <laughs> Joining us later in the show is the director uh, and the co-producer, that's two people, of the new film called Too Late, a nationwide 35mm release. It's a five-act film. Each act is a 20-minute uncut shot. Cool. It stars the likes of John I like John how they Hawks. divided the labor there. Yeah. Because a lot of independent films, you get to do everything. Let's hire a guy for every job. <laughs> Let's share the wealth. Yeah. Distribution of the wealth. True. And in indie, you could have one guy do yeah, everything. Yeah, your name's all over it. We'll and find I, out if uh, which one of these guys did the. Nobody catering. takes that film seriously when you're the when it's the same na- name for every credit, right? Like Prince. Well, I take Prince seriously. Oh, okay. Well, I will ask the question that's on everybody's mind: five twenty-minute takes. Do you hire an editor? Yeah, because it's a union gig. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? The editor should be the guy splicing it together because that's the guy who's screwing up. Does he show up for Q and A's? Well, yeah, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Just a day's Long work. Or... In the, uh... <laughs> right. We'll find uh, out. Anyway, Dennis Hawk. We'll find out if I pronounce that correctly as well. And Matt Miller will be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. And as <laughs> ever, nailed it. And as ever, we bring you 
movie previews. That's right, movie previews. That's, this is not new? If it's new and it's in theaters uh, this coming weekend, <laughs> we're talking if about it here. If it's new or it was potentially going to be in theaters yeah, this yeah. weekend. We're finding out as we go. Maybe. Uh, prepping you for your trip to the multiplex. Uh, check in with us every weekend for our signature look at the new movies. And this is the first week I can recall when all of the films have stories about girls or young women. And they're all based on books. Wow. All books and all dames. Now that's a bunch of movies I can get behind, Paul. Ugh. See what I Bart, how can you, you take something nasty. so sweet and innocent and then make it pervy and weird? Well, clearly you have not read any of my business cards. <laughs> this week, it's Divergent Alopecia. Wait a minute. No. That's wait, a condition that... I read that wrong. Uh, no, I didn't. I just wrote down a funnier title. Then I read it correctly. Also, <laughs> Miracles from Heaven. It's pennies from heaven. Apparently, that's not enough for anybody anymore. People demand miracles. And later in the show, maybe... Hey, come and play with me. I cannot play with you. I'm not tamed. But if you tame me, we shall need each other. To me, you will be. I wanted to see this. I am so disappointed. See, this is what we get for recording earlier in the week. Karen brings up a good point. We are recording on Saturday. Normally record on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. See, we wouldn't even have bothered to write jokes if we had waited till Wednesday. That is a clip from The Little Prince, which we just found out just before the show will, in fact, not be released in theaters <laughs> for you to see it. Has that been confirmed inside this room? Yeah. We're believing it inside oh, okay. this room. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been confirmed by room. Twitter. Internet. And oh, okay, you did. Yeah, I looked it up. Internet and, uh, confirmed it. Also, um, Hollywood Reporter, I think they would know. Or a Hollywood Reporter. Uh, <laughs> There's just a one of small them. difference. There's a guy down on yeah. Hollywood yeah. Boulevard <laughs> dressed like a tack, and he is doing it. says it. press on his hat, Karen. I don't know if I'd take him seriously. <laughs> in the midst of the beginning of the Say, year. Say, Scoop, what's going on with the movies? <laughs> Hi, Not coming I'm out, you say. We'd like to I'm talk to a Hollywood reporter. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would like to uh, preview the movie that will never see the light of day. That just feels perfect for this February March kind <laughs> of odd <laughs> releasing structure. We <laughs> will. That's the Little Prince, and then we'll, we'll give the whole story. Uh, we'll later talk on about as well. it now, and then you can listen to this episode when it comes out in Blu-ray and <laughs> streaming later on. But let's get to our first movie. It answers the question. How does one get their fix of teen-torturing dystopian hellscapes in between Hunger Games and Maze Runners? <laughs> Why with Divergent Schmivergent? <laughs> I don't know if that's correct either. It's, it's Divergent Allegiant, uh, uh, whatever it is. Karen, let's talk about it. Here we go. Yes, the future is once again going to hell due to its lack of teenage input in the Divergent series Aluminum? No, it... What? Never mind. Okay. The plot, and this is just without looking. I'm just going to spitball here. Um, there's a rebellion led by a little girl from mm -hmm. the first movie and who can barely lead it all because she's too busy falling in love. She'll lead a ragtag group of kissable sci-fi scamps mm -hmm. to overthrow the adults that wouldn't let their society have the latest Adele song. I think that's the giver. Ah, <laughs> I get so confused. close. I know. It's tough. It's hard. In this installment, the actors who play the characters in the movie, I'm also not looking. <laughs> no. Must escape Chicago to discover the cruel truth about the world beyond. Much like every stand-up comedian and improv performer <laughs> we know. Yes! Oh my gosh, we've all been there. The dreamy team is back to save the future and look good doing it. Mm. Shailene Woodley is here to once again have my autocorrect disagree. She plays Triss, played by Katniss, playing Jennifer Lawrence. She's backed up by Miles Teller, here to once again punch holes in his whiplash reputation. They're also joined by a who's who of maybe Game of Thrones, maybe Nickelodeon stars. Oh, yeah, all of your favorite characters are back. We have Triss, Katniss, Minho, Frypan, Thomas, Four, okay, Dalmatian. I think some of these uh, characters you mentioned are actually from The Hunger Games and Maze Runner. Are they? Prove it. Good point. Yeah. Once beyond the walls of Chicago, they find themselves in... Mexico? 
Don't even start, Bart. Okay. They find themselves in a world where their concepts of truth, courage, allegiance, and mm. love are tested. And of course, a bunch of stuff explodes. Oh, of course. In the trailer, we finally also see glimpses of an unclothed four and Triss. <laughs> While those brief moments are played out in silence, I'm sure they both look at each other at some point and shout, Nudie, nudie, nudie! <laughs> Or maybe that's what plays out in my mirror in the bathroom. That is so strange. She, yeah, what, I wonder if four is a nickname for a reason once they're nude. I don't know. Go, move <laughs> on, move on. I just uh, spin This thoughts. is the third movie in the Divergent trilogy. And because you have demanded it, I guess. Divergent, have demanded it. <laughs> no one has a choice. Divergent Ascendant will squeeze one more of these dumbass titles into marquees with the fourth installment of, with the, fourth installment of the tri- trilogy, having no idea how to count opens. Oh, I get it now. I see how they relate to teens because they all flunk ba- basic math skills. Okay. Yay. Accurate. So. That's Divergent or the Divergent series. Because I don't know what I just read. So yeah. are you saying <laughs> that it was, they. It was all English. Ugh. Yeah, no, are just, you saying that they're not even staying, like, they're saying it's a trilogy, but we're already at four? Yeah, that's I wrote that line. It's a trilogy that has no idea how to count. because what, Why? <laughs> what? You can't do a trilogy. You can't do a third book nowadays You're without not. the third book being two movies. Yeah. Oh, so it has to become that's a right. 3A. Twilight, Hunger Mocking Games. Mocking J 1 and Hobbit? 2. Yeah. Is that what happened there? So this, Hobbit did three This movies. is the first mm-hmm. of, the, of the finished of the last stories. Wow. They have to do it twice, always. But it's a lack of confidence back when Twilight started doing this, that they have to put the whole title, like, the Twilight Saga. Yeah, this is the, the Divergent, the Divergent series. series. Like, when it was Empire Strikes Back, we all knew this is a Star Wars sequel. Yeah. Right? That, like, that, they never called it the Star Wars experience, the Empire Strikes Back. I mean, they didn't need to do that. Although, on the lunchbox, because it was the, sort of the oval or whatever the smartest kids would always call it, Star, the Empire Strikes Back, Wars. Wars yeah, because it's Star it. Wars, we're at the top of it. But isn't that what we're doing now <laughs> with um, The Force Awakens? Star Wars The Force Awakens? They're yeah, they do that now. They do that now. Well, since Phantom Menace, they do that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, episode they, one and all that. Well, so that's maybe the it question. started there. That's a question because the original Star Wars, I think we all know what I mean when I say that. It's just that, Star Wars. It's just Star Wars, but it's actually A New Hope. A New Hope. Mm-hmm. But so, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they even went back and put Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, that is BS. You know, it's because <laughs> it all goes back to confidence because does anyone know Fonzie's last name? Uh, Fonzie? It is Fonzarelli. Arthi, Arthur Fonzarelli. Oh, see, I just know him as a Fonz. Oh. He doesn't need all that other BS. That's true. Yeah. He doesn't need Arthur. That was kind of a yeah, goof. Arthur. Right? And Mrs. C was the only one that could get away with calling him Arthur. I'm just saying. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to get beat Star up by Wars the Star Wars doesn't need to have all that other junk around it. This does. Well, it does ruin their little alliteration because it was always Divergent Ascendant. Divergent. Da, 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 da. Now it's the Divergent Series Ascendant. You're yeah. like, ah, you ruined it. <laughs> you ruined that. That was the most fun I was having. <laughs> yeah, with <this> exactly. <laughs> Has At, anybody seen any of these? Adam, the fourth one anybody? comes out. You're going to have to watch yeah. them all. Have you watched them? I have not. So when, when a fourth of these comes out, I have to see all of them because the, the summary, I just love a series, even if it's Kissable dumb. teens. Yeah. Um, They've worked too hard. They've worked too you hard. You can't watch them. Yeah. And yeah. they all have the same plot. There's a little girl, and then there's a rebellion, and she leads all the people. I'll watch She's that. She's got pixie hair. You like that. I do. That's yeah. true. Is Shailene she the girl from The Descendants? Cute. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's good in that. Yeah. yeah. She's like Not a Divergent Descendant. Divergent <laughs> Descendant. <laughs> She's like a low-rent Jennifer Lawrence, right? High-rent? Middle-rent? Yeah. She's yeah. very good. I mean, She's she was so actor. great in The Descendants. Not yeah. as pretty. She hasn't broken not out as pretty? much. Maybe yeah. not as pretty. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. I think she's pretty. That's girl. all you're that's ever all thinking you, about. I'm sure that's what you're thinking I about. Sucked right into it. I mean, uh, her <laughs> talent matters. Well, here's one thing that's important about her. Pixie cuts. You've seen it a bazillion times that they did it again. She is the one. Mm-hmm. Scientific minds have lived here to test a theory. Jeff Daniels gave we can rescue people from a toxic environment and put them in a safe place like Chicago. Perhaps they would heal it. And I'm one of those people. You are the only one. 
I think you accidentally oh took gosh. a clip from Steve Jobs there. I Paul. think you took a clip from <laughs> Young maybe Messiah. Tr- maybe the Trump rally this week uh, in <laughs> Chicago, right? I don't know. Now, when you were talking about getting out of Chicago, I because I, we did all live there, and then we left to come here and do uh, on-camera stuff. But I also thought, just in general now, you want to get out of Chicago because it's so much more dangerous than when we were living there. It's crazy now. It's true. It is becoming the hellscape that these kids are going to have to escape yeah, from. Yeah, I'm just saying it's becoming <laughs> this movie. How teens are faring in actual Chicago? <laughs> I didn't know this movie took place in Chicago. Yeah. Has it always been there? Yeah. Oh wow. I think so. You just I can't it recognize some it. Futuristic dystopia that you know. Well, at one point they're in the trailer. They're in a desert. We'll have to see one of these. Yeah. You're not walking by Second it's, City or yeah. anything. It's, it's the equivalent of you know you watch the Mad Max trailer and you go, oh, that takes place in uh, Orlando, Florida, and you go, oh, okay, <laughs> it's in some alternate weird future where that's what it looks like. Oh, so you just see Mickey Mouse wave at you as you drive by. I didn't see the old town ale house in the background. Yeah, no, I didn't not at all. We'll enjoy the veritable who's that of teen actors mm-hmm. uh, in that film. <laughs> That'd be nice. Next up is a film featuring the smooth voice talents of Jeff Bridges. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. I gotta, I gotta stop. But that's, that's, we're talking about the more recent voice oh. from Jeff Bridges, the one he's perfected into his patented deflating Mr. Ed voice. <laughs> We are the greatest lawmen that ever lived and died. When the elders need guidance, I provide wisdom using memories of the past. That's it. All right. Adam, let's talk about the little prince. (laughs) What's with these parents month continues continues with the little prince. The animated... The animated children's movie that dares break the rules of one of those a month. (laughs) The Little Prince (laughs) tells the story of a girl whose parents' obsession with structuring her life makes her desperate enough to take an interest in the stories of the crazy coot next door. That's what happens. I just want parents everywhere to know the minute you structure your daughter's life, she will be interested in everything but that. Yeah, and and then she takes an interest in this guy next door because, well, instead of, uh, well, Grandpa Caius, could you read this for me? Yeah, instead of a snap tweet or whatever the hell you kids are into today. There we go, thanks. (laughs) Side note. Thanks, Grandpa. Side note, if there was a biopic of Prince, that would probably be called Little Prince, too. (laughs) But this is a story of a little girl and her overbearing tiger mom whose helicopter parenting drives the little girl into the arms of an old man who lives next door. Hmm. Now, don't get the wrong idea. Really, this is a sweet little story of friendship. Between a very old man and a very young girl. How are you? Why don't you have a seat right over there? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a story of a little girl befriending a very elderly neighbor who unleashes upon her a terror like no other. That's all. I'd never find anyone who wanted to hear my story. That's right. An old person telling stories to a little girl. Dear God, the horror. This film is a real throwback to a time when you wouldn't automatically assume that neighbor was a molester. <laughs> In animation, you can get away with a lot that might seem creepy in the real world. I mean, look how casually people take talking animals. Yeah, if you saw one, (laughs) different story. But it turns out that the elderly neighbor is a kindly man who is also a retired aviator. And the story he tells the little girl is a wonderful and magical tale of a young boy from a distant asteroid called Little Prince. Hmm. The the boy is called Little Prince, not the asteroid. Who the aviator supposedly met in a desert after crashing his plane in the Sahara. A few weeks ago in Zootopia, Jason Bateman played a fox. In this film, James Franco plays the fox. I am sure he does. And Benicio Mm. Del Toro plays the snake. Oh, I'm sure he does. And Paul Giamatti plays the academy teacher. Oh, well, you know, he's good. (laughs) Hey, kids, take note. If your mom is choosing between this and Zootopia, this one looks like vegetables. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So get excited, kids. 
Get excited to try and track down a theater that's also, showing yeah, this. Also, I was gonna say, if your mom's taking you this, good news. You're in France. Trip to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> we found out just before the movie. This Hope you one, speak French. This will not be opening. It was Je our guest said prince. as much. Karen confirmed it with uh, mm-hmm. the internet. The World Wide Web says so. Sure. I would so. love to know why, because there are huge names. Almost every one of these characters is voiced by somebody I could identify somebody in a made lineup. Somebody angry. Right on down the line, Paul yeah. Rudd's in there. Albert Brooks, who's like. Yeah. Doing that every everywhere nowadays. Well, the good thing is our, our guests revealed this to us, and they said this is actually kind of a good lesson about distribution and releasing, which they've had to do, you know, with their yeah. film. And don't go, sign go the mortgage cinemas. until the deal goes through. Well, yeah, don't get, don't get your Smoking <laughs> the Bandit style Trans Am classic <laughs> until I you actually receive the check. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is a shame because it looks nice. It looks it look does look European. It, it does, looks, yeah. Looks sort of, you know. Uh, yeah, and then that's the rumor is it's being released in Europe and is doing quite well there. But oh, of course, okay. in France, they're not going to take no Zootopia nonsense, you know. <laughs> right. Get your Zootopia right One of us hell needs out to have here. a kid soon because apparently this is a story that's popular. I know that part well, surprised me. Oh. So I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, re- exactly, yeah. Somebody we're, needs to get on that. We're catching a window clearly in releasing. Like I don't know a lot about distribution, but it's funny just watching what comes out. You're like, oh, we're catching this window here where it's just, look, it's the perfect time to release Zootopia and this. So The pre-Easter animation yeah. shuffle. Yeah. yeah. Now taking this kind of weird wave because you know you can't even release your Jesus movies on Easter because Superman right. is opening on Easter. It's The real God. <laughs> the one... True ring. Well, listen, not much more can we say about it if no one's going to watch it. That's it. That's it. Cool. <laughs> again, awesome. listen to this again when it comes out on the on the DVDs. Oh, or VHS. It's European. <laughs> again, we'll pick that up when our guests get here. <laughs> March is Oscar season for Christian producers, mm-hmm. and this week mm-hmm. sees the release of the most inspirational tale that SAG Minimum can buy. <laughs> it's Miracles from Heaven. Bart, let's tell the people what it's about. All right, Jennifer Garner gets one up on Ben Affleck by having her movie come out a week before his. In Miracles from Heaven, Christy and Kevin Beam, a couple played by Garner and the male lead, have their lives turned upside down when their daughter is stricken by a rare disease of the digestive tract that makes her unable to swallow the schmaltz of this overwrought drama. <laughs> Actually, Paul, Anna Beam, played by Kylie Rogers, is granted the wish of every actress in Hollywood when she is diagnosed with an incurable disorder that leaves her unable to, di- to digest food. But lo and behold, Garner turns to her faith and begins praying, and her prayers are answered when Jesus throws the little girl from a tree, miraculously curing her of her disease. Oh, she falls in a well, eyes go cross. She gets kicked by a mule. They go back to normal. I don't know. <laughs> and suddenly the girl is once again able to digest oh, sourdough. Which <laughs> Was it God's power that enabled the child not to have to stay home if she wanted to eat cabbage? He told me I'd be fine. I'm still told you you'd be fine kids say the darndest things <laughs> you wouldn't think it but this is the kind of movie where you have to yell spoiler alert before you watch the trailer and they aren't even subtle about it here take a listen unfortunately the tests confirm that she's very ill there is currently no cure for anna's condition so you're telling me that when this baby girl fell 30 feet she hit her head just right and it didn't kill her and it didn't paralyze her it healed her yes 
because God. Everybody got that? Yep. There's your movie. <laughs> well, the other 127 minutes and 43 seconds is just a montage of highlights from Hallmark Channel movies. <laughs> now let's look at Jennifer Garner's career for a second. She was a kick-ass agent in, in Alias and was a Marvel superhero, Elektra. But then again, she was also in the film Butter, mm-hmm. where she was battling women at the Ohio, oh, Iowa State Fair, carving a cow made out of butter. Hmm. So it's tough to say which Jennifer Gardner we're going to be getting here. Gardner. 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 James Gardner. James Gardner. Jennifer Gardner. Jennifer Gardner. James Gardner. Jason Lee. <laughs> when Gardner played a mom in Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, her child experienced an awful day. Mm-hmm. Then in the odd life of Timothy Green, her kid had leaves growing from his legs, among mm-hmm. other strange things. And now she's got a daughter with bad digestion who's falling out of trees. I'm sure she's a good person and all, but at the end of the day, you probably don't want Jennifer Garner to be your mom. I know. Whatever happened to the baby in Juno then, in that case? Oh, yeah. That Poor went thing. Well. well, then what happened <laughs> what later? What happened later? Uh, we'll get a movie probably grew, soon. Yeah, probably grew something out of the top of its head yep. and fell off a building. It's Miracles from Heaven, which is so much better than those Miracles from Hell. Mm. You know, like the career of Yahoo Sirius. <laughs> Risen, The Young Messiah, and now Miracles from Heaven. You know, with all these movies coming out about Jesus Christ, I think the world is trying to tell us something. Like, don't go to the movies? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stalin. You know, this movie, I have been seeing this preview for months they really? just keep threatening to release it i had i i don't know for some was reason it before star wars yeah i Miracles saw it at heaven? christmas time i've seen it for a long oh, time yeah the, the, there was a trailer before star wars that was a little the clearly bought you know that's the expensive ad space mm-hmm. and the, i think this is one of the it's yeah, been going on some for, weird I'm little having, movies were advertised before star wars i'm having just, faith that this movie will eventually open there's a we had Chris Dowling in here who made the film When Hope Grows. and uh, Love that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Produce. So, pro- yes, the exactly. guy's name was Produce. And he was a great actor, I love too. calling a guy named uh, called If you haven't Produce. seen it, that's a film with a, an, an actor who has Down syndrome who's fabulous in the movie. Yep. Um, but we talked about it with him, too. There was a glut of Christian-themed yeah. movies that just aren't that good. Like I, Somebody's got to come along and make one that's a great movie and you know slanted towards a faith-based crowd. Yeah, we, this, is, this is vegetables right here. <laughs> Have we always known Jennifer Garner to be faith-based no. Christian actor? Mm-hmm. Like if, uh, what's his name, Kurt Cameron shows up, we're like, oh, this all makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if that's the case anymore, because we had that film last Wait a minute, year. They're just with, uh, acting like they believe in Jesus Christ? They're just <laughs> acting in a movie. Hold on a second. We had uh, David Oyelowo in that movie oh, last year with, uh, with uh, we're not Kate Mara. Anymore. No, that's yeah. all right. Oh, I don't have Oh, yellowo. Oh, yellowo. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I don't. So it, yeah. It's, it's a growing market. I mean, this year there were three. I mean, it used to be just you had Passion of the Christ. Now there's three big faith-based yeah. movies around Easter, so you're going to get more. I just th- this is this might be this might even be a good movie. It's a bad trailer. It's I the think. worst trailer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to know that the little girl gets better. I would have. I'm going to see the movie either way. I want to see this over. Um, Whatever else is opening this it's week, it's like Allegiant or Detergent yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Detergent. But but the point Tied. is, I as a mover movie goer. <laughs> I don't need Always to know that it's going to be okay because I have a feeling I'll find that yeah, out while I watch the movie. That's so kind of the weird. point, right? Yeah, yeah she says the whole plot. I mean, t- but then again, maybe this movie actually is about the fact that the little kid is talking to God. I mean, this all could happen in the first fifteen minutes, and that part where she goes, "Wait, what did you say?" 
and then it could be become. She gets the on a bus, hits the road, starts doing speaking engagements. <laughs> no, yeah. you're or opposite. maybe the girl has to go to Crazy Town because now she's talking to God. You know, it could go yeah. anywhere else after if, that. Yeah, if this is a J.J. Abrams film, all that takes place in the first twenty yeah. minutes because <laughs> that's his advertising campaign. Or, somehow, with, yeah. or Shyamalan too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's that's just the first twenty minutes. The rest of it is them us is them going. I don't. I don't know what happened. What do you think happened? Yeah. I don't know. Could be God. I don't really believe uh, in God. Well, you're, are you sure? There's a 20 minute uh, <laughs> sequence where they just push her in a swing. <laughs> it's oh, everything's fine. And Bart did say w- w- that there was like 124 minutes after. No, there's only it's only 109 minutes long. Oh, Lest the whole you thing. Oh, yeah. Be scared away by the movie. This makes a lot of sense. Length. To, yeah. There is such an audience out there for this kind of movie that we should probably just make a faith-based movie. I think it's like the sh- the horror genre. When people are doing independent films, they go, where can we definitely get it released? You can get it released oh, yeah. if you make a horror film because there's so many people out there clamoring yeah. for that. Very true. There's a whole bunch of people on my Facebook feed that are clamoring for stuff like this. With they no won't go swear see it, words. though. That's the thing. They're, oh, they're in Zootopia. It. They'll watch it on... <laughs> d- no, no, no. Like this, I have a friend who you know, and yes. I won't mention her name. They're, they don't even watch Pixar movies because the devil's involved in that. Uh, yeah, because yeah, uh, well, Walt a point Disney makes dim- has, owns Dimension, and they make Scream movies. Right. So it's like they uh, put it all together where this is now horrible. But they go to their churches, and they all push these different movies. So if you can get into that group of people that are pushing these in their churches... Yeah. You could sell tons of DVDs. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a big Maybe part some of betas. I'm sure they have all the old platforms. You have announced, however, publicly that you're oh. leading with cynicism about oh. this entire price. <laughs> but good luck to you. I'm just saying. How There's long, a market. How long was that running time? 107. 107. 109. How do you squeeze so little movie into such well, they a long... already gave away the movie <laughs> in the preview, so they yeah. did that. Now they can move on to movie. How can I put so little movie in an you hour know, and a half? You know, this is one of those where if, if, if this was an Oscar season, you would go, oh, that's just a drama about this or that. But because it's released before Easter, we automatically kind of make this connection that like, oh, where did this miracle come from or something? But uh, the historical epic that came out two, two weeks ago, I still think I might go see, which is Risen with Sean Bean. Uh, no, that he was in The Young Messiah. Sh- uh, Risen had Joseph Fiennes. Oh, ri- okay, yeah. Uh, gods of Egypt, maybe you're thinking. Either both of those are about <laughs> the Romans. Both of them about the Romans chasing down Jesus. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. like literally an Easter story, and I'm like, all right, that's super upfront and and like epic and historical. Like I would go see those, but this one's a little just kind of it's very Hallmark Channel. But this one is more like all right, perfect example. That story of Easter is the one like the Jesus parade that comes by our back door with all the people walking in the seven the different stations of the cross, yeah. and it's very serious. And the Easter. resurrection, which is right. the the holiday but that we're this movie. Right is the pink Easter bunny and like plastic eggs Easter it's that li- I grew up with? It's a little more Easter basket. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Is that she? She looking for an egg up in the tree when yes. she falls out of it? And Jesus kicks her out of the tree. Right. Is that, is that how she falls? It's like looking for an Easter egg. No. Oh, oh, that'd be the best. That'd be so Easter. <laughs> oh. Missed opportunity. I'm, I'm just Missed being opportunity. A jerk. Okay. I told you don't hide eggs in the tree, honey. Right. Uh, we're gonna bring our guests on now, but uh, <laughs> okay. just quick side note: Yahoo Serious, uh, gr- uh, great reference part. I I was struggling. Just wanted to point out his IMDb page doesn't have a photo. Oh, so oh. I don't know. When you goof on his career, that, I think he's made two movies since Yahoo. When you make a, since, y- since you make a Yahoo serious reference, you are making a 1988 reference, yes, not an exactly. 80s reference, an 88 specifically. Reference. <laughs> I don't even look think, it up, kids. I don't even think he's in Branson. I know Yakov Smirnov is in, in Branson. He's in but... the Australian Branson. Oh, God. I don't even know what that is. Yakov Smirnov's like a multi-million. He's kicking much. Yahoo serious is a reference that uh, Bart thought up. Okay. Yeah, giving stories in the other. Thanks, okay, Grandpa well, there's Bart. another movie opening on March 18th, a moody, stylish, yes. pseudo-noir piece about a private investigator played by Academy Award nominee John Hawks, cool. tracking down a missing woman in the seedier parts of Los Angeles. It's called Too Late, and we'll have the filmmakers Dennis Hawk and Matt Miller here in studio 
in 10 seconds. Don't go away. All right, our guests have come aboard the show cast. The co-producer of Too Late, opening this Friday, March 18th in Los Angeles, and going wider as the next month goes on. And the director making his feature debut, it's Matt Miller and Dennis Hawk, everybody. Yay! Hello. Hello. Real filmmakers right here. Look at that. Uh, let's put, let's put uh, names to the voices. So, Matt, you're the co-producer, correct? Yes. I'm the voice that sounds like it's made for silent film. Like <laughs> your voice is awesome. So when you hear that, you know that's the producer's voice. Hey, <laughs> as a producer, make it your next project. I think it would take you over Jeff Bridges for that last I Yeah, I like they that asked me right to there. do it, but yeah. I was like, I only am going to do it if it comes out in theaters. Oh, yeah, see? <laughs> yeah, Well, there you go. Is that hangover voice? Is that your natural speaking This is voice? it. This is what that I sound like. Sweet. Yeah. Can you sing like that, too? I worked with uh, Clint awesome. Eastwood, and I was like, that's, that works for him. So I just shouted a lot at this point. It's cool. And then uh, Dennis, so chime in. You're the director and yes. writer, I should say. Yeah, and this is my voice. <laughs> Excellent. That's a pretty it's good so different to hear it yeah. next to each other in that <laughs> once. It's like... <laughs> he, he didn't sound like this two years ago. We were just watching some behind-the-scenes footage uh, the other day, and it was just like listening to a totally different person from when we shot this. I don't know. What even happened to you? It was actually... <laughs> it started to kick in right after we shot Act 4. Yeah. Remember I got really sick out in Barstow? And yeah. then, uh, we were comparing it to Bob Dylan's voice on a couple years ago. He he sounded like Nashville skyline Bob Dylan, like, la, 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 la. and now now he's more modern times. Yeah. <laughs> he, producer does a, yell, a lot of yelling on set. Right? That's ah, be honest. Clearly. Yeah, you yeah, didn't really. You're, no, you're no. soft-spoken soft gentleman. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It was just all the dust. I don't. Know. It it just never came back. That's oh. good. Well. Listen, walk softly, carry a big stick. That's the producer's role, right? <laughs> exactly. Look at it this way. You don't have to take up smoking to get a cool voice like that. No, but there I still go. would like to at some point. <laughs> <laughs> the minute they're like, you've got cancer, I'm like, smoking. <laughs> Jump like in. first thing I'm going to do. Or I'm going to fall out of a tree on my head and be like, I'm cured. Just <laughs> talk to Jesus and tell yeah. us how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we talk about too late, you, you, you were the guys who brought us to the news that The Little Prince will, in fact, not be released this weekend. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we just read about that. Eh. So Keeping in touch with the trades, and they said, no go. Yeah, no explanation. They just... I think they're... I read on Twitter, though, it was because Too Late was being released at the same time. Yeah, they were quaking in their boots. And they didn't yeah. want to compete. And I think that's very, very Similar to the audience. An L.A. noir and a uh, European-esque it's animated the film. the same dollars. So you have to be careful how you compete. Yeah, exactly. It does speak about the removal of it from release. It was set to be in theaters, and then they said, in no uncertain terms, we're not even turning on a projector bulb for this. <laughs> nope. Like, that's what we're not doing. Going to leave it dark. Yeah, yeah, they had posters in theaters. I mean, I, it was a stealthy marketing campaign. I didn't know a lot about The Little Prince, but... I did see a poster or two, and now just nothing. We'll get hey, nothing. there were no bus ads, so that might be why. There right? you go. That's the reason. If, if the guy, that's the, the lawyer that's uh, on the phone can do the bus stop ad, but the, this one can't, then yeah, no. it's not a good yeah. sign. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of that. Let, let's actually do get to too late. So uh, you want to give us the elevator pitch version of the film? No. Matt, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, great. I will. Yeah, no, I want to hear your take. Oh, this would be interesting. Well, Karen and I saw it mm -hmm. last week, and it is, as I said, like a pseudo-noir about a private investigator who has to explore the death of someone from his past. Um, and But it has the great sort of, what's, what's the word, non-chronological 
timeline. Yeah, the storytelling is really interesting. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you don't know right away that the PI has uh, this uh, history with the girl, and then you go back to like a strip club, and he does, and so then you see. Hold on a second, Paul. What? Back to the strip club? Yeah, yeah. there are strip clubs in this movie. You definitely <laughs> missed out. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, and then you get to see, of course, the people who run the strip club and the people who've employed her and the people who did her wrong, and then all these other different parts of the story unfold as you go. And I really like the the slow rollout of information about the story as it goes along. Now, yeah. I have a question. Did you write it that way, or did you write it in chronological order and then break it up? No, it was uh, the whole thing is just kind of five scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I was writing them all at the same time, and I would get tired of one scene and write the next. Uh, <laughs> but they just kind of came together. The whole idea was that it was five moments from this guy's life, this private investigator's uh, life, and hopefully at the end it would add up to some sort of portrait of the man. But there wasn't really – they just kind of – I guess it's not uh, traditionally linear, but they felt – emotionally linear to me by the end it was like this one feels like this is how we go out and this one feels like the first scene and you know we just kind of i never have thought about oh i want to write something that takes place out of order Mm -hmm. it just felt right for this one i i know that when we were talking to um the projectionist after we (laughs) get to talk to him and actually it was fascinating when he told us because you do have five different reels and whenever they take the film and they present it sometimes there's um, a way that you splice the movies together, and if the person isn't really keen on how to do that, they could splice it together inappropriately and lose some of the voiceover before the next reel would start. Or they they um, they don't give it the right amount of, uh, what is that called, leeway, so that the music won't start exactly right. Because Yeah, on film, the audio trails the, vid- the, the visual image by a little mm-hmm. bit. So yeah, at a splice, you can, and you'll hear that sometimes in old movies where they've taken a couple frames off, a couple frames off, the song will just end, and yeah. they'll be at the next scene. And, and it's like, so yeah. critical in your movie, because each of the shots are a whole different reel. Yeah, yeah, there's basically five shots in the whole movie, so each reel... Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's an important thing to mention for our audience, too. It's it's all r- single takes at, on film, shot on 35, so now people will use the technique of long takes because it's more possible with digital. But you guys actually shot on film, so you had the same Yeah, those are the counterfeit long takes, yeah. I think, that you're talking about. This is about. like <laughs> rope. You know, you got 20 minutes because that's how long a mag is, yeah. and that's it. Oh, and actually longer than rope. Rope was 10 minutes. Oh, so, was it? Yeah, okay. I mean, all I've done is get into it. But um, Yeah, here's the, the kind of dorky technical thing like basically 35 millimeter usually there's a lot of different 35 millimeter formats most of them a roll of film will last 11 minutes so that's rope was a bunch of shots that were or a bunch of takes the whole thing was like what 10 or 9 or 10 different 11 minute shots strung together but that was as long as you could go for the most part uh we shot in a format called technoscope which was uh invented in Italy by Italian Technicolor. So all the spaghetti westerns shot oh, in that. Good, the Bad cool. and the Ugly. That's amazing. All those movies they shot in Technoscope. And then it kind of died out. They they shot it a little bit in the States in the 70s. Like uh, George Lucas shot American Graffiti and THX. Really? Something. In Technoscope? Uh, yeah, in Technoscope. Oh. But, but then it just died out. And uh, people started shooting it again a little bit recently. And the great thing about that is that uh, you can actually get 22 minutes out of that same roll of film. So I just thought, wow, I don't think anyone's ever done a long take that's 
20 minutes or much longer than 11 minutes to begin with. Is that uh, is that because technoscope squeezes the frames? Do you get more perforations? It's actually or whatever? the opposite. Oh, okay. Of the yeah. squeeze. The, the, well, it's the same idea you're talking about. The the frame sizes are smaller, so it, yeah. you can basically it, it's a two for one special. Yeah. You get t- <laughs> two frames for the price of one. So because it's blown up on projection. Yeah, yeah. So. Be, uh, so yeah, you can get 22 minutes oh. instead of 11, and so we were like, oh well, that would be a fun. Let's see if we can <laughs> let's do see a few of those. Let's see if they still manufacture yeah. anything to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, there's that too. But one thing I also want to point out for those of you who are interested in seeing the movie: so not only do you two make it a little more complicated on yourselves by doing this process, but you also do these very long takes, and then, God forbid, they just do a really long take of people sitting around a table. No. They do a really long take of starting in a park, going way across wow. the street to someone answering a phone, to a guy going down through his building to leaving in a car. Then that finally goes out of frame, but then we come back around to the park, and now there's different people that we're talking to, and they zoom in and go do a nice close-up, but then again, able to go all the way far away again. So and the car shows up. And the car stuff. shows they got up. from like blocks away. Yeah, that was the great thing. John Amazing. John Hawks was, I mean, he's only in the opening scene a little bit. He's at the beginning answering the phone. Okay, yep. I'll be there in a few minutes. And then he just gets in the car yep. and is by himself driving through the streets of Los Angeles wow. for 15 minutes while the rest of the take is going on yeah. a mile away. And then he shows up right at the the Very. last minute, and that was nerve wracking. <laughs> and it's I, really and right. And he could at the hit traffic minute. in LA. Yeah. Uh, well, I know? drove it many times oh. by myself. To it was right by Dodger Stadium. I'm like, uh-huh. what if we end up shooting a, during a Dodger game? Like we sh- we drove it a bunch of times, okay. and we were always pretty confident he would make Amazing. it in time. But it would have been horrible if we were 15 minutes or 20 minutes into a great take, we pan the camera and no car shows up. But, but that didn't happen. But that's also that's what's amazing. exciting about these restrictions. It's almost like uh, is there's an exhilaration to using that. It's a tightrope walk. We're watching a tightrope walk because as an audience, we go, that's got to be there. That's got to be timed out and everything like yeah. that. So it's kind of exhilarating filmmaking, but also film. And every scene had something like that. Like, I don't want to give away um, spoilers, but like the second scene, there's some special effects that happened at the end that had to be done practically because we didn't want any CG in the film. Oh, yeah. And so. Oh, yeah. Like that had to be rigged, ready to go off, and then sit for 20 minutes before the special effects happen, which you never do. Um, and then in the third scene, there's two live performances in it. Um, one is a song that John wrote yeah. and performs in the film. So you have to get all the way through, go into the other bar. There's one band playing. They continue to sing while that band's playing, and then John takes over and plays as well. And that had to go right. Um, and then the fourth scene, we had a time. It's at a drive-in movie theater, so oh. there's two screens projecting. Yeah. And one of the screen lines up to a specific beat. And so we had to time the projection uh, to hit that beat each time so that when we panned over the screen, it had a certain thing on it. Um, like, just basically everything. There's tightrope walks all oh, over this. It's, oh, yeah. it's awesome. That yeah. sounds so exhilarating. How much rehearsal did you have? You must have had to really include that. Yeah, not enough. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just I, we went to a Q and A of when they made Steve Jobs, and Steve Jobs is a three act movie. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. Each one being a launch of a different computer product, and between each, like they shot in order. Apparently, Danny Boyle said, and in between each one, they'd go rehearse. So while they're, you know, setting up everything for the next whole segment that's going to take place in a whole new venue somewhere else with a whole new crew and team and all that, they would the actors would go and rehearse. So I, and it shows. And it shows in too late too. These guys knew they had everything down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just basically comparing, you know, comparing it to, to Steve Jobs, but the actor rehearsal. So what was that? What the was what was re- on them? Yeah, it, it, 
depended because we uh, we shot this over the course of several years. Like the the strip club scene in the middle, uh, we call Act Three. That was shot in May of 2012. Oh, wow. So we've been working on this for a, a long time. Uh, that was the first thing we shot, and that was kind of nice because we had. It just depended on each one, but that one, the three main actors, John Hawks, Crystal Reed, and Deach and Lackman, we all had some spare time back then, and they came over to my house every day for a couple weeks, and we really went into it. Uh, it's a whole different scene when you get there with the whole crew and the camera and the actual space than mm-hmm. it is like sitting on someone's front porch reading it, but that helped a lot, so they... They knew the lines. They knew their performances backwards and forwards, and they could concentrate on the um, all the technical. You couldn't logistics. exactly tape tape out the floor space where they're going to walk and no, do everything. Because you would right? see you that. See you see everything. Oh, yeah. lighting was. That was a crazy thing. Uh, our DP just ha- we had a dimmer board operator hidden somewhere, and he was, I think he does like NFL halftime shows, or he he was bringing up and down lights throughout the entire thing. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh! And it and wasn't, the it, actors would have to definitely hit their mark to be in the yeah, light. Yeah, But you can't mark the marks. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Who cool. is your camera op? Uh, we, well, had multiple. we had multiple camera operators throughout the thing. Our cinematographer's name is Bill Fernandez. Uh, he's a uh, wonderful, interesting guy. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. I don't know what you guys think. I think it's his work is amazing. I think the movie looks beautiful, and he pulled off some technical stuff that is uh unprecedented but but he's also this is his first feature film as well uh and he's really not even interested and he's kind of interested but i feel like he's my own private cinematographer which is wonderful i don't have to worry about him going off and making another movie with someone else and being unavailable he just has other (laughs) he has other unique interests like right now he's um he's designing or, or uh, a lawn game, a, an outdoor toss game called Flagger. It's actually really fun. It's I wonderful. Say, it's, yeah. it's wonderful. It's, it's on Amazon.com right now. Flagger toss game. It's genius. But he learned how to sew to make this, and he's talking about the. He's, is it like jarts? Because we've never replaced jarts. It's, uh, this is. It's I like think it's the closest thing. Toss I think it is the closest yeah. replacement to jarts. It just doesn't have something that could impale your child. No, it's. Uh, it's <laughs> actually yeah, it was called growing up in my day. <laughs> it's football themed, <laughs> which there's pylons. I don't. I don't really watch football. I'm more of a baseball guy. But but uh, I guess at the end zone there's these orange pylons. <laughs> yes, and they have you cameras. You gather in correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's what that's what Bill tells me. And then there's the penalty flags that the refs will throw out. And uh, so you take the so it's kind of in the horseshoes bocce ball genre of okay. games, gotcha. cornhole. And so uh, don't talk to of. him about cornhole. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cornhole. hilarious! It's like oh, all these people. What are you gonna haul a giant piece of plywood on your back to go down to the beach? This is completely portable. It, this, he sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah he's, he's just guy. Oh, and he's also a genius cinematographer. Yeah, it shot the hell out of this movie. Yeah. I mean, more high praise. I mean, I loved Steve Jobs, so but more high praise. The camera work in the opening segment it reminded me a touch of Evil because the thing's oh, flying up yeah. above trees, yeah. Yeah. then it's oh, cool. down real super intimate with two people sitting next to a tree. Yeah, well, you, I, it was amazing. Did you have like a, a rig? What were you using to get that movement? You had to be above at one point. Yeah, yeah, it was a big uh, techno crane that kind amazing. of expands and contracts, and it was on eighty feet of track. So and... that had to be choreographed. Oh yes. oh, yeah. So was he on and off that thing then? Jumping There's actually on a and... bunch of operators. So um, our camera operator was on the wheels to operate the end of the camera, and then. Um, next to him was a focus puller, mm. and then uh, at the actual rig, we had the guy who operates the basket for the crane, which makes the crane sort of go up and down 
and pan left and right, and then we had a guy pushing the crane, <laughs> and then we had a guy who was controlling the telescopic arm of the crane because uh-huh. it went about I think sixty feet in and out. So wow. fifty, it was fifty, a 50 feet. Foot, yeah. And then um, and then we got another guy at the end as the camera's sort of coming up and down. He's got to sort of catch it to make sure it stabilizes when it lands. And then the final piece was um, our gaffer was on the iris pole because we were on this crazy long zoom lens that Dennis can talk about. But as you zoom in and out, you actually less light can reach the film. So you have to actually open your iris and close your iris to keep consistency. So there's a, probably about, what, 10 guys on headset? Yeah, um, all talking to each other. Yeah. Just That was the tricky thing because uh, some, some of the five acts were shot on Steadicam. And that was real easy. I would be on walkie with that guy. And if I didn't like the shot, I'd say, hey, take a step to your left. And then he would take a step to the left and I would have the frame I wanted. With this on the act one with the crane, it was not some guy taking a step to the left. It was 10 people all had to make minor adjustments to get the frame where we wanted. It just reminds me of when they operate puppets like in The Lion King or something. And you have all the different puppeteers have to work together to create this one living thing. That's just fascinating. Yeah, team effort every shot, and and yeah. it shows if you go online uh, to YouTube or perhaps all these are are uh, called together at toolatemovie.com. There's a featurette on YouTube if you search it to show the show is called Why 35 Millimeter, and it shows the team. Uh, uh, my favorite shots were when they're walking and actors are walking towards the camera, but the cameraman is walking backwards to you know in a walking and talking shot. But there's also like five guys behind them; they're all scurrying to make sure yeah. they know where to go next because the actors might move left, right. They know where they're going, but they still got to get the hell out of the way to get that shot. And it was pretty fascinating. Now, making a movie in general is one of the hardest things you can do as a human being. And I think for every page in a script, there's someone in, in this town to tell you no. No, you can't do that. You can't mm-hmm. shoot in that location. You can't have that actor. You can't do that. You can't make a movie. But this one has so many challenges, which I, it's, it's almost like Herzog hauling a, ma- a, a ship over a mountain. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that you're like, well. We talked about that a lot. You, you've <laughs> got to make this your personal manifesto of like, the reason I w- want to do this is because I want to do this, you know, in a certain way. So how, how did you deal with all the people saying, no, what are you kidding me? Techno crane 65? Yeah. What, what are you, crazy? Well, Get out just, of my office. We wouldn't work with those people. <laughs> yeah. like, that, was, that was a good thing about doing it ourselves in independence. Yeah. We weren't at you're the behest out. of like anyone, a, a production company or studio. It was just, I, basically, I wrote the script and then I turned to people I know to say, do you want to come on board and help me make this? Yeah. So we just wouldn't work with anyone that – and we did. We, I remember uh, very early on we had an, a um, meeting with some producer because we were trying to find some money sure. and it, it just – he basically berated us for two hours of like how this is a terrible idea and you're going to fail and there's yeah. a reason that there are editors on movies. And yeah. yeah. And, th- and that guy says that all day long to all kinds of things that also get made. You know, yeah. like then, he gr- then he greenlights the little prince. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, that's why, that's why we ended up distributing ourselves too. Yeah. I don't know if there's a good segue into that. But that it was the good, same yeah. conversations. I mean, we, um, we brought the film out. We had great film festival premieres and... Um, found a fan base early at Fantastic Fest and then it got to the point where we had to decide how we were going to release it and we had offers from a bunch of name distributors um, but it was the no. It was the, mm-hmm. you know, release in theaters the same time you release on video or maybe we'll do a film print or two but mainly it's going to be digital. Yeah, old, um, old thinking. Right? Yeah, and we yeah. were just like, that's just wrong. Yeah. I mean, they were wrong. So yeah, we, no one was going to release it the way we wanted to uh, release it and we just thought, uh, well, let's give it a try ourselves. Because you're releasing yeah. on film as well. We're yeah, releasing only, only on I'm film. I'm assuming every distributor said, okay, of course, put no, this on tape. It's only film. Like, yeah. The only way people are going to see this is yeah. uh, on 35. But we the, the 35 millimeter short 
on YouTube shows how many theaters that is. It's a great number still. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's, to do it's this. still growing. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, we're ho- uh, yeah we're adding theaters every day, and th- for these days, like we're in twenty five cities as of today, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, so many indie movies don't even get a chance at theaters at all. And if yeah. they do, it's usually like a token gesture, like, oh, we're going to be on iTunes the exact same day and no one actually goes the, to yeah, see the multi-platform them. release. That's very strange. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand it. It's insanity. It's not very me. cinematic. No. What were you guys doing before you did this that definitely prepared you to know that you could take on this giant extravaganza? Uh, we Making did not know. No? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was a scary short thing, films, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I made That's some awesome. short films and Matt's done... Yeah, stuff. yeah. I came on to the project a little later. Um, I came on after they shot the first scene, so I had the benefit of being able to see that they could do it. Um, uh, smart. That was a scary thing because it was, I mean, just the sheer. We've actually got a uh, a little another feature right coming out tomorrow. I think yeah. that it'll uh, be out by the time this podcast is out. I think. Yeah, yeah. About uh, it's called the Steadicam handoff because that was oh, one of the yeah. biggest yeah. tricks of trying to find out like because these are not. You know, these are not your little digital cameras that a lot of people shoot with today. These are big beast cameras. They, I think the whole rig probably weighs about 90 pounds or something. Okay. So just finding, that was another logistic thing. It's anyone can be like, oh, we're just going to keep the camera rolling for 20 minutes and we'll have our cool 20-minute shot we can talk about. But, yeah, we were going, the, these camera operators had to go up up and down stairs mm-hmm. and wa- traverse. There was some shoe leather involved. So, oh, absolutely, especially at the movie theater whenever the young lady went up the stairs. Oh, yeah. That we happened had a to, couple of times. It did. So these yeah. guys... Basically, it was like, well, we got to find just a really giant guy <laughs> that can handle 20 minutes. So we were uh, like interviewing uh, Steadicam operators like they were our lead actors, and <laughs> and this one guy's just like, I can do it. I just did a triathlon. You know, oh, wow. I'm this is I'm so excited about this. Let's do it. And we get there, and um, and all of a sudden he's kind of once he puts on the gear, and he does this all the time. So it's not like he's brand new, but there's something about anything becomes like just exponentially heavier the longer you do it and then to ask them because we, we're not just going to do this once like yeah. all right there's our 20 minute take we're going to do it all night long and pick the best version right. so before long he just kind of said i i think we need to start talking about cut points i'm not sure if i could do this <gasps> and then it was i was terrified um but we ended up coming up with a really cool way of we brought in two steady cam operators and they handed the camera off to each other in the middle wow. of the take without us ever cutting without the audience ever knowing that they're switching and then that way they were each able to take a break and only have to do 10 minutes wow no I, that's absolutely fascinating because i never would have thought of that but now that you bring it up yeah those were long takes and yeah. they were running <laughs> around especially in that scene oh that they had to go so out, heavy. In the gar- yeah. out, out in like the driveway and then their actors are chasing each other so so is the cameraman mm-hmm. it was a heavy wow. rig but i certainly enjoyed sitting down Looking at the screen and then hearing, yeah. and hearing it actually. Oh, like, oh, that, that really sounded well. great! <laughs> I was a projectionist back in the film day. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I thought that was pretty cool, and sure enough, it wasn't even like a platter like you see in the film or like I I grew up with in my hometown. Two cameras. It was a two. It was a two. Real, the, I talked to the projectionist the afterwards. Burn. He was waiting there. He saw yep. the little circle. Pull the appear. lever. Boom. Yeah. That's he switched him. Cool. He did it. And nice. again, the only cuts you see in the film are when that happens. So the, the yeah. reel ends. It goes to black, yeah. and then the new reel starts up. So. And yeah. it's not even really obvious before it, during the first reel. You're, I was watching it, and I saw the actors talking to each other, and then it went to somebody else, and then it went far away, and then it went back, and then I started to go. 
we have not cut yet because <laughs> I didn't have any of this information. I like to go to stuff completely blind. Oh, that's perfect. And yeah. I started to Oops. go, we're in this. Sorry. Don't listen to the show, Karen. Do not listen to the show. No, I won't listen. But I, it was really exciting because I did not start to get into it until we meet the gentleman with the apple. And I went, oh, hang on. That's how far I went before I realized there was no cuts. Yeah, the gentleman with the apple. Yes, yeah, I'm works. trying to be, yeah. you know. Uh, no, that's but when we when we had our world premiere uh, at LACMA about last summer, I think we definitely we didn't put that in any of the information because we wanted because we knew people would be talking about it after uh, the public finally saw it, but we wanted to have like one screening where everyone went in just <laughs> blind. Like, is it a record? Is we it, think is it so. the first time? We're no. waiting to be yeah. corrected. At least as far as 35, because, you know, there have been movies like Russian Ark. That was a movie. Yeah. There, as far as digital goes, you know, that you can do shoot forever on that. But I think this is as long as any shot has uh, lasted on 35 millimeter. And we think. We're waiting to be and corrected. And unlike Birdman, you're not hiding shot uh, like no, no, edits. No, 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 no. Okay. None wow. of that. Who are your influences? Uh, maybe in life or specifically for this movie, there are two filmmakers I see in this movie who I'm curious to know. Uh, for You know, I'm probably influenced by every... I see as much as I possibly can. For this, though, it was much more about... I was obsessed with the uh, old private eye fiction from the 30s and 40s and 50s. So I read a, a ton of... I was reading a lot of uh, Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler and especially Ross MacDonald. He's got this... 20 book long series that I think spans from the 40s to the mid 70s about a private eye named Lou Archer so I kind of that I, I don't know I was into that at the time much more than any of the I guess private detective movies John even asked me John Hawks asked me like is there any movies you want me to watch I'm like I don't really know I, I love Chinatown but mm -hmm. it's kind of a different thing Long yeah, and LA Confidential oh. sort of this but yeah. that's glossy a lot of people talk about Long Goodbye when they talk about this movie say, which is fine yeah I, I was gonna say Altman and, and Paul Thomas Anderson came sure, sure, when he goes throw great. back Boogie Nights yeah. or Inherent yeah, Vice yeah that's great movies. when each of the scenes Dennis crafted to have its own feel like it's uh you know, you described it going into it like as if you were switching stations each time and you land on a new group of characters in a new setting and then John Hawks shows up and mm. makes the scene take a left turn. I, yeah, no, I, it's, this, it's still yeah, this it's like story. John, John Hawks is wandering in and out of other people's movies. That was kind of the idea. <laughs> here. I got to tell you, I fell in love with him during the scene where he was playing guitar and he's fantastic and that yeah, was great. That's my favorite too. Oh, I love it. And I... I would follow this guy on any weird little adventure. As a matter of fact, I started writing my own movie in my head because I liked his guitar playing so much that I said, you know, if he and this woman went across the country playing hockey tonks and we just followed him and that girl, <laughs> I would watch that movie too. Yeah. I loved it. We could call it too late. Right. Too late with the two. Too, too late. late. CWO late. Adam yes. desperately wants that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't. I just don't want a movie to miss an opportunity to have uh, two things in the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Too late. Two. Two right. things. Yeah. But he's very lovable and and in such a strange man, and I just adored him. Yeah. When was really Winter's Bone? That was his Oscar nomination. That right. was. In fact, oh, I yeah. know when it was because I was writing this role for him. I knew it was like he's the guy for this role. Uh, and then the day I finished the first draft and was all excited to get it over to him, that was the day he was uh, nominated for an Oscar. And I was just, You're you know, like, I, I, knew it. I know I was kind of expensive. disappointed. Yeah, was like, <laughs> his phone just started ringing off the hook. And here I am, uh, nobody with this script that I was Did hoping. Did you know him yeah. ahead of time? I'd met him one time. Uh, and okay. I... And I, right away, I was like, well, now I've, I've met this guy. I've got his number. I'm going to go write him a great part. 
and it took me a long time to write this part. And then by, by the time I finished, I just feel, felt like he wouldn't remember me. And I got bashful and we made like a, a more official offer to his manager. Uh, and it took forever for them to get back to us. And then it was finally a polite no. Uh, but I just said, well, I can't can't take this for an answer. Good. And so I called him up and I took a, it was the middle of the afternoon. I took a few shots of bourbon because uh, I was very nervous <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, it left a rambling voicemail just saying, hey, you know, I don't know if you remember me, blah, blah, blah. I got a no from your manager. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But. I just need to hear it from you. Yes, I, can't, I totally like, appreciate that. I get that. Yeah, because you—I know, yeah. didn't even know it was very unclear. Like, did he actually read this? Right. What's the, what's? And he might have, but I just said, you know, if if you don't, I just need to hear you say, Dennis, I read the script and it's just not for me. And okay, mm-hmm. but he called me yeah. back. So, anyways, I think that was 2011 was Winter's Bone in the Oscar nomination. But he did call me back and uh, he was like, oh yeah, of course I remember you, and I did read it. I liked it. I wasn't sure if it was for me, but if you feel that strongly, I'll give it another read. Oh, that's so yeah. great. And he did give it another read, now knowing the passion you had behind mm-hmm. it, and also the intent that you wrote it for him. Uh, that actually, he doesn't care. He, oh, he, he actually, he <laughs> told, That's amazing. He, he told me, he's like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, you, wow. a lot of, you know, I don't care that you wrote it for me. That doesn't make it like, oh, special to me, which wow. is weird. Interesting. But, or not weird, but okay. That's but it's got to give him confidence, the tenacity of like, look, I didn't take no for an answer. I'm, you know, like, you're going to get the movie made because it's like, hey, I had to go around some people. I mean, that's like, the only way this movie right? got made. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dennis not hearing no from people. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I can think of every moment of this where somebody was telling you no. Of course. Yeah. 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 So that was the no what the stupidest uh, like bureaucracy of people saying no that we had to get around was was the opening scene that takes place in um, at Radio Hill near Dodger Stadium. And at that point, it was the actually it's the first in the movie, but it was the last scene that we shot. So all the actors were already established. We had five at all working actors that are off doing other TV shows or movies. And this is not like a normal coverage movie where you can just you know oh I'll shoot uh, John out today and then we'll get his reverse tomorrow. Oh, yeah, they while all he's need on. to be on they set. They all all five of them need to be on set for yeah. two or three days together. Yeah. And we just could. And the park was closed on weekends. And that was the only time all fi- anyone could get together because they were all working during the week. And the Parks Department just would not let us shoot on weekends. I don't know if any of you have been to Radio Hill. <laughs> it is chained off. The, you have to like kind of hop the fence and walk up. It's apparently open to the public, but it's not really. And there's nobody up there as- aside from a few homeless gentlemen. It's... I actually talked to the Parks Department. I said, have you been to Radio Hill? Oh, no. <laughs> no. None of them had been to Radio Hill. But their whole argument was the parks are for the citizens of Los Angeles to enjoy on the weekends, not for film crew sets. And I said, uh, that, in theory, that makes perfect sense. This, we're not talking about shutting down Runyon Canyon. This is <laughs> No one is going to be disturbed by this, but it was that red tape bureaucracy. Yeah. So finally, I wrote a letter to the mayor of Los Angeles and explained the situation said, hey, Mr. Mayor, uh, I've been hearing you a lot on the radio and been reading articles and you're trying to bring filming back to Los Angeles. And I think that's wonderful. And we are an L.A. movie and we're almost done shooting, but we've got one more scene that we need, but we're kind of having some trouble at the parks department. And they just snapped their fingers and made it happen. Nice. So the word the word of the day is tenacity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't include in your letter to the mayor that you were trying to do twenty minute takes on thirty five millimeter. No, you leave that out. Not to mention mention a homeless dude could walk into your shot at (laughs) it. Actually, the homeless were really nice. They 
they were really understanding. We actually explained what we were doing, and they moved to their little temporary homes. Yeah, they're fine. It's the cops that'll shut you down. Homeless are <laughs> like, all right, sure, whatever. <laughs> okay, well, that's too late. Yes. Opening at the Sunset Five at Crescent Heights and Sunset here, in... and that's T O O late. <laughs> yes, Adam. Okay. Adam. Very important. Adam. As in, as in Teen Wolf. Two. Correct. Oh, and on well. one Team last Wolf thing also. I want to yeah, say. Well. <laughs> Love that example. One last thing I want to say because um, we haven't talked about the actresses. There's really great actresses in this movie, and I, I really, ins- I was inspired by some of their work, and especially in some of the situations that they had to do. I really thought that the young lady who was with the men by the pool, fantastic work that she did. Yeah. Really great stuff. And the parts that you wrote for these women were really nice, really strong. Oh, I love the friend of hers who was kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah, Sydney Poitier. She, she was, was fantastic. She's, yeah. Wonderfully written. Really great writing for women. They were all great. Vale Bloom, Sydney Poitier, uh, mm-hmm. Deachin Lackman, Crystal Reed, Natalie Z. They did great work. Yeah. Joanna. Joanna Cassidy. Oh, yeah. is that the woman that went, uh, that's running the movie theater? I loved her. Deachin Lackman. That's yeah. Wonderful. She's, she's so great. good. She's a good friend of mine. We actually did a Beautiful short film woman. together years ago and she plays the same character she was like the lead in that uh-huh. and then I just wrote her into this completely different the same character oh I her character is fantastic yeah. so tough but yeah. lovable yeah yeah, good stuff cool and so right. too late movie dot mm-hmm. com and you can find out where else it is opening across the country yeah check it out yeah it's but gonna the, be a, a rollout uh, across uh, across March April May across the whole spring good basically. that whole Easter time yes. right when you want exactly. to get that pocket mm-hmm. but at the sunset five this Friday or I guess the day this podcast comes out right. Uh, yeah, Thursday and Friday will be audio and video. And we're going to have a bunch of Q&As that weekend. I think every show has some sort of interesting Q&A. Like, we're going to do one with the Steadicam operators. We're going to do one oh, with cool. um, Kodak and uh, Panavision and Photocam about shooting on film. We're going to do one with the actors. We're doing one with the women of Too Late. Oh, cool. um, so definitely... Yeah, John Hawks yeah. will be there. Robert Forrester will be there. We've got almost I all heard the... he played at one of them. He actually brought his guitar. Yeah, John, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, last weekend at the Cine Family. And then at our world premiere at uh, LACMA last summer, he played a set afterwards. And, cool. and Sally J played a set, the girl that, um, the kind of country singer, songwriter with her band. Yeah, and she'll she be playing when we open in Austin as well. Oh, yeah, great. she'll That's be there perfect. with a band. Well, I'll say I mentioned another a couple of other filmmakers that you know I thought of when I saw this film, but know that when you go to see it, it is a very signature look, feel, and obviously drive mm-hmm. to make it happen. It shows on screen. Uh, it's a super confident film uh, from you two gentlemen. So thank you very much. Now yeah, let me ask you us. what your favorite movie of all time is. Uh, that's so tough, and I saw you were going to ask us that. <laughs> I, I, I that think, is the typical response. I, I think I'd go back to Unforgiven. Oh, that's Ooh, good. Yeah. I didn't know that. Awesome. Really? I think I don't know if we've ever talked about that. I think every time I watch it, I'm like, this is probably the perfect movie. I love it. The um, script is so. Good. You watch yeah, the, uh, the the finale of that. You know, that's I assume that's my friend. Yeah. Adam, oh, give me that line, man. <laughs> uh, my I friend in the box out here for reports. I just did me. <laughs> but you, uh, you just shot an unarmed man. Well, he should have armed himself. He's, he's going to decorate his bar with my friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah I went to a Q and A Q&A with Joel Cox, the editor, and he talked about putting all those final scenes together and how sound was so important with the rain just coming outside yeah. and just that movie is dark. What a great film. Yeah. But as a superhero fan, the thing I love about that is the old hero. I mean, he is the guy from all the other Westerns. Uh-huh. And yeah. yet he's a guy who's upset that he's killed all these men, that he's lived this past. You know, you see him as heroic on all the Westerns. And then it's the ultimate definitive final act of the of his career as a Western performer. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Matt? Uh, I think my go-to is always E.T., actually. <laughs> I, I don't know. Why. I know you're going to give me a look, but like 
<laughs> he did. Without thinking about it. Uh, I don't know. I just have always, I mean, but I don't know. There's it's good. Movies. I mean, yeah. E.T.'s great. I don't know. There's certain people our age, I think, that have, because we all grew up watching E.T. Yeah. and Indiana Jones and all this stuff. And I love that, but then I guess I hit a point as an adult where you grew up, and that's <laughs> well, no. I mean, I can still put those movies on and really love them and enjoy them. But now my favorite movies are probably the ones I discovered as a young adult. Whereas some people just nothing's going to top the Goonies, and that's fine because I love the Goonies too. But it's like I, I think know. it's because it stayed with me for so long. Like I've got other movies I love. Like, yeah, we can talk about Once Upon a Time in the West, and like yeah. I mean, it's like one of the greatest Ugh. films I've ever seen late yes. in my life. But like. I mean, E.T. I think is always sort of. Uh, I'm I'm told it's the first movie I ever saw. I think. Well, I think I I might be biased against E.T. because my I was supposed to go see it in the theater, and then my mom at the last minute said, "Oh, we're you're, we're not going to that. We're going to take you to apply to this private school or something." <laughs> and I was That's so. And I never exchange. saw it in the theater. I still give my mom guff about this uh, to oh. this day. Did you go to the re-release when it came back out? Nah, it was over. It was ruined for me at that <laughs> point. And apparently, I threw the test, and it it affected my whole <gasps> life. Like, because they they try they were really trying to put me into this like great Catholic school or something. And apparently, I threw the test and got like a low mark. And I, I was just my mom's like, "How did you do?" I was like, "I answered all the questions wrong because I was mad about that." And she called up, and they were like, "How did Dennis do on the?" On the test, they're like, he did okay. He got a 48. She's like, out of 50? They're like, no. <gasps> or this was, a, this was a Catholic school? <laughs> yeah. So in some alternate universe, you directed Miracles from Heaven? Is yes. that? I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah. But I was going to say, and because, of the, because he couldn't go see E.T., he flunked the test deliberately, and that answers the question, how did you become a filmmaker? <laughs> there, you go. there we go. Yeah. Who was the father of our country? I'm going to write E.T. Just because I'm all... <laughs> If we were telling your story out of order in 20 minute takes, we put that one third and we go, oh, now it all makes so much sense. <laughs> nice. All right, let's go to. What did you see this week? What did you see this week? Uh, yes, thank you, Adam Pascal, channeling your best. <laughs> Paul Shaver. Paul Shaver. Uh, what did you see this week? I put to the table. Uh, Paul and I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane. Ooh, how is it? It's so good. Oh, oh my gosh. So oh, that's great. Yeah. It was that's so good. Too. That's the one I saw. Yeah. Did yeah. you like it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. And I went to college with Dan Trachtenberg. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, like, Where did he, he come from? What is this thing? Uh, Philly guy. We both went to Temple. And um, I mean, you want the long story? Well, I just <laughs> I saw his name and I went, I don't know this guy. So no, Dan great. grew up a poor black child. Um, no. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, we went to film school and we were the only two guys that were like, we're going to move to Hollywood. And everybody sort of hated us for that. And we he was a year ahead of me, but he had seen my short film and I had separately seen his short film. And then when we saw each other, we were like, oh my God, we love each other's films and we're both going to go to Hollywood. And then uh, he came out here and he did commercial directing for a while. He actually had one of the early podcasts before people were doing it. He had a show called Totally Rad Show oh, yeah. that was on Revision oh, yeah. 3. Yeah, that was, was that with Alex Albrecht. Was yep, that? exactly. Yeah. 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 And so that was like Friend way, of the show. Yeah, way before... Uh, it was like a mainstream Okay, thing. so and he mm -hmm. made, this is a super, uh, talk about confidence, yeah. another confident movie. Very yeah. confident, and very then, interesting. Uh, then he did uh, a video game short called Portal, which- uh, oh, He made guys? Portal yeah. with uh, so, Danny Rain? Was she in that? Yeah. yeah the actress. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, know. I think so. I'm saying <laughs> it. I think she's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but that uh, started him on the track to do this, and when you see this and how it opens, it's like very similar to that short. Like, mm -hmm. you know, girls sort of locked in a dungeon cell, much like this garage, yeah. and- uh, yeah, it's yeah, great. She, she, <laughs> doesn't, she doesn't find a, 
a sci-fi weapon though a lot more uh, we had it's just a really well plotted out uh, another movie that sort of reveals facts as you go along storytelling as yes mm-hmm. yeah that is it's, the key right that's what i was thinking of when we were talking about your movie this is is you know it's storytelling which reel do you put first and then it's just this experiment and in storytelling, but yeah, it's uh, that's what Ten Cloverfield Lane looks. And, and somehow, when in the end, when it gets the movie just goes haywire, you're right there with it. <laughs> oh, I love you know? it! It's like what this a could, great... this could, in lesser hands, this could oh. have played like completely loony. Yeah. And well, instead, it's super fun. Yeah. Well, what they say, they I, did, I don't know if I talked about this last week, but the, there's the TED talk that J.J. Abrams did with the mystery box, right? Yeah. And he always talks about whether how it how he advertises his movies. Like I said, if this was a new J.J. Abrams, only the first 20 minutes would be in that trailer because it's the mystery box, and what they've said about this one is he's put his characters inside the mystery box. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what's outside of the mystery box. Yeah. Yeah. And Goodman gives one of his greatest performances. Oh, it's great. Yeah, he's so just great. The, all of the cast. I mean, yeah. it's just incredible. Oh, yes. Oh, Mary, it's yeah, so Mary good. Elizabeth Winstead and John Gallagher Jr. from Newsroom, who I've wanted to see more of since he's he was great. so great in that show. You get it here. He's really good. Uh, Adam? Oh. I had a big week. Big week at the New Beverly. <laughs> I pretty much... I. I, I I could say I feel bad for it, but I've wanted my whole life to have a place like the New Beverly. And I remember back in Chicago, I would read about uh, Tarantino would go to Austin and he'd program a weekend of his personal prints and trailers. And I would read that obsessively and I would order some of those movies on eBay and that sort of thing. And now he owns the New Beverly and I can go anytime and see movies that are programmed by Quentin Tarantino, which is, of course, his interests are various and vast and uh, and anything can show up there. In for a example, last week you saw... Saw Ryan, uh, Ryan's no. What is it? Ryan's hope was uh, so. No, far. no, it was love story. Love story. And this week you saw Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and both times I sat next to Quentin Tarantino. Oh no, kidding! Oh, again. no, even for Smokey and the Bandit. He was there last night, and uh, a, a double feature of Smokey and the Bandit and Convoy. Yes. By the way, <sighs> which is kind of amazing. Oh, first of all, this is the first time I ever saw Smokey and the Bandit. I what? thought I had oh. seen it before. We showed that on the we side, on the of, side our of our garage. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. This? Cannonball Run or something? What, what did you think was well, Smokey and the Bandit? It's just that there were a lot of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just, it was just Smokey the Bandit too. No, I, I, no, I guess I'd seen enough scenes that I thought, oh, I know how this movie goes. But, you know, every once in a while it happens, you see a movie, especially at the New Beverly, because it's old movies, where you go, I haven't recognized a scene yet. Uh, and then I see the stuff I know... And then there's another significant portion that I don't know. And so about, yeah, a half hour in this movie, I go, I don't think I've ever really seen Smoking the Bandit. And it's the best thing to see something like that with a crowd that's all laughing and along and enjoying. It's like seeing it for the first time. And that's something you would miss out on a Smoking the Bandit. If you just watch that on, oh, on DVD this week. At home by yourself, it's not the exactly. same. Exactly. I mean, that is such a, a peculiar movie. The chemistry between him and uh, between... Uh, um, uh, Sally Field. Sally Field. Sally Field. <coughs> uh, first of all, it's just one of those fascinating things. Like she just is in the road, and she just gets in the car, and it's just, it's just like all these coincidences that you just don't care about because the movie glosses over everything with charm, and it, and it's almost like people would never put it up as an idea of the. They always talk about these '70s movies, right? These challenging movies, Coming Home, Easy Rider, Taxi, Taxi Driver, Ta- yeah, these, Taxi Driver, these Sorry. Structure, which Not is taxi. the New Beverly next weekend. Oh, is it? Oh, and that's that, cool. that is the theatrical experience. I saw that at the Al- Alamo Draft House, and is one of the best midnight movies I've ever seen. I will tell everybody in this audience right now: you forget how cool that movie is I've to watch in it. real time. Oh, totally go see it. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. We're going. I'm, I'm already there. <laughs> hey, he's also doing... Uh, whatever, I'll talk okay. about New Beverly all week. But uh, but Smoking the Bandit, it, it belongs there with, with these sort of structureless, non-formulaic... 
You have no idea what's going to happen next, and largely, it's nothing. They're it, just chasing It wears its 70s on its sleeve, too. It wears its 70s on its sleeve. The interesting thing about Smoking the Bandit is it came out the same year as Star Wars, my favorite movie of all time, and a movie that has largely defined my life. Uh, but Star Wars is a timeless movie that came out in 1977. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in 1977, that might be the only timeless movie. Timeless movies did not come out in 77, and this one yeah. wears, as you say, it's 70s on sleeve. This movie feels like it was like to live in the 70s. The way people talked, the way they were subtly racist, whatever, just all the little <laughs> tiny things. Shirts tucked in that shouldn't have been. Shirts tucked in, the, the way they dressed, the cars they drive, everything. I'm just like, God, this is when I grew up. This is my time. And for so, better or for worse. For better or for worse, yeah. exactly. I, no, it's, it's, it was such a comfortable movie. But what a strange little bird this movie is. It's a lot of conversations in a car between two incredibly charming people directed incredibly charmingly. This yeah. uh, this Halloween, uh, my friend Randy wants to be Buford T. Justice, <laughs> and I will be his son, right? So I'll be half the have the oh. the groom's outfit with the cowboy hat. The wussy groom <laughs> yeah, is yeah. amazing, and half the half the half is the, such, such a henpecked son, and half the movie he once they shear the top off of their car when they try and drive under a truck sure. because in any car crash movie in the seventies you had to drive you had under to a drive truck. under a truck. You had to do it whether you're the fall guy, whoever you got to drive under that truck, shear the top of your well, car. Because off. you need a convertible, it's better for filmmaking. <laughs> Bart, you see anything? I don't get my. <laughs> I know I have a theme song. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Last time he didn't see anything from TBS. Yeah. Bart stays home a lot and he watches things. Whether on I see anything or not, or whether I pay my cable bill and don't get to watch TV this week, <laughs> I still want my theme song. Okay. Oh, all right, all right, good call. So no. Oh, <laughs> guys, you see anything? Oh, you saw ten. Cool yeah, I just, I, yeah, which we highly recommend. Yeah. So uh, we Matt and I have been busy a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit Are you but prepping I did, a new project? No, just this one. <laughs> just trying I, yeah. to get this thing going. Uh, I did. I saw Z for Zachariah last night. Did any of you see that? I have not seen mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was by the director that did Compliance. Did you watch that? That was interesting. No. I like that a lot. <laughs> and know what? Uh, I'll just think list things that I find interesting that no one else here okay, knows. Okay, great, talking. perfect. Uh, do you remember the the web cartoon series Homestar Runner? Of course, yes. that I remember. Yeah. Well, yeah. This, Strong this, bad emails. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this Strong director was one of those the two Homestar Runner guys, oh, and really? he's gone off to make very serious, interesting movies. City, comma state. <laughs> Do you remember City Comics? Yes, State? yes. Yeah. It took yeah. me a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was a big Teen Girl Squad. Yes, fan. that was that great. Was, that, was the... that was interesting. That was before there were even web series, really. And yeah, that was I know, just right? a web cartoon. I like. I was thinking about that on the way over here because that was the only movie I've seen this week, sadly. But um, the, I like that those guys had a similar situation to us, where they were they basically just kept refusing offers because everyone was trying to give them their own show on Cartoon Network or what, and like turn it into a real TV thing. Uh, and they just kept refusing, saying like, no, we think the only way that this is going to work is in this web format. Uh, Do, does Z for Zechariah have this similar humor? Is it no. kind of random? Or <laughs> no, is it, no, no, it's there's, there's, there's like there's, nothing similar. There's, there's, oh, yeah, there's okay. not a lot of humor at all in the movie. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's kind yeah. of a 180. It's like the Mystery Guy That's movie, right? Isn't it? It's a post-apocalyptic, and it's two people that find each other and start like a farm together, and then a third guy shows up. Yeah, oh, he's the Mystery Guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that old tripe. That thing again. Everyone does that. I like my apocalyptic movies post. 
Not a lot during. Of course, most movies take, take place pre. Most movies are pre apocalyptic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's wrap things up <laughs> with uh, Karen's birthdays, her weekly look at the birthdays of those who make the movies. Take it away. All right, let's start off our week of birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to William H. Macy, yeah, who turns yeah. 66. And he can play anywhere from a loser to a cooler. Now, he started off in New York. He was working there and uh, doing commercials and that kind of thing. Mostly, he says he auditioned, but once in a blue moon, he actually would book one. And one of the ones he booked was as a voiceover talent for the secret commercials. Strong enough for a man, but made for a woman. He would just say that? Can you believe that? Wow, that's oh, that's just jig. his voice at the end of those? Yeah. That's hey, it? Strong oh. enough for man, but made for, made for a woman. Yeah. That was him. <laughs> <laughs> And the writers and the producers of The Simpsons have joked semi-seriously that if they ever would do a live-action version of the show, he would be perfect choice for Ned Flanders. Oh yeah, he, uh, you know it's it's yeah. we're at an anniversary of Fargo. I think that, that that's that came out. Oh yeah, twenty. 20 Fargo, nineteen ninety-six. Yeah, twenty mm-hmm. years ago, like exactly like last week or something. And somebody put all these uh, videos online. Ah, uh, turns out there was a Fargo TV show in like nineteen ninety-seven. Crazily enough. Really? Yeah, I know they, that now this is one is doing great. But. Yeah, they tried to do one in the late 90s. Look it up on the YouTube. Huh. Yeah. I saw it. Well, yeah, they, they, it, this is the current way to do it. <laughs> the way they're doing it now is the way they yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. He's appeared, appeared in three films that were nominated for Best Picture. Do you guys know what they are? I can tell you. Well, Fargo. Fargo, right. Seabiscuit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mystery Men. I shovel well. <laughs> it says and room in 2015. Oh, he was in room. That's yeah, right. I know you can't forget that. You know. Yeah, he and Joan Allen were the parents. And he was once nominated for best supporting actor, but he lost to Cooper Gooding Jr. for yeah. Jerry Maguire for Fargo. For Fargo, can you believe Jerry that? Maguire's 20 years Jeez, old? Look Why at the that? difference in those performances. I mean, I obviously, and staying power Cuba deserved to win. <laughs> It's always amazing when you look back at who wins I mean, the actual was, award. It's pretty shouty, you know? Well, pretty good and showy. And he, you know, he was very handsome. Pretty good. He was very cute in that yeah. and muscular. So. It's his time. Mm. But on that on that note of someone who's... Wait, let me just say, yes? I love, I love it when... What's his name? Harry Gunderson? No, Marge yeah. Gunderson. Harry, whatever his name. William H. Macy's character in Fargo. Every time he's trying to explain something to somebody, there's one particular spot where he just shuts down and then starts up again. Yeah. He's like, no, you don't understand... <laughs> Here's the deal, and he goes back into it, and it's a total. I just love that moment. It's one of my favorite acting moments of all time when he's just trying to explain himself. No one's listening. He shuts down. Is silence, and he continues on. I also with really the, the, laying the same. BS I remember out. just being really affected by the makeup work in that movie because he had that alcoholic nose, that puffy red bocce. It's a gin blossom. That's what yes, they call. that's what they call it. My God, whoever did that from the cold, right? He's always, his nose is always drinking and. Just years of abuse, but he just really had that perfect nose. It was amazing. Okay. Yes. Back up on the mic. A oh, little sorry. Bit. You're, I, you're right. that, that you know what? Real sensitive I right have here. no ears, so I can't tell yeah. how I sound. That mic is just real sensitive when you get that. Sorry close. about that. I mean, that's fine. But can I? Oh, okay. Because I have no ears, so I can't hear. You can't hear at all. Uh uh-uh. uh oh. So I'm just guessing. So yeah, it's not helping at all. Oh really? Yeah. So I can't even like okay, so help you, you guys out. So yeah, can I borrow no, your ears? All right. And I'll just put this on for show, so it seems like I'm still Oh, hey, that's a hundred times better. Now I can hear my popping. Thank you for that. Do you have any ears at all? Hello, little, little, tiny, tiny little bit. <laughs> all right, so next up, let's wish a very happy birthday to Miss Queen Latifah, who turns 45 and once can play anywhere from being an employee of Burger Queen to a queen of hip-hop. 
true. Yeah. Burger Queen. Where was She's that? in Burger Miracles Queen. from Heaven this week as well. That's, That's right. Sorry. In the trailer. She was my first celebrity sighting in LA. Oh, really? Oh, where'd you yeah. see her? I walked out of the front door of my uh, aunt's place where I was staying, and her and Steve Martin drove by. <gasps> And I was like, this is Hollywood. Dude, that's I, like so I think they were literally filming a movie. That's yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was bringing down that. Yeah, yeah. You wandered onto a set. <laughs> yes. I mean, did anyone usher you, you away from there moments later? <laughs> you see a lot of celebrities when you wander onto movie sets. <laughs> it was weird. She lived on the Universal back lot, and we just saw people all the time. It's so crazy. Do you guys know what Queen Latifah's real uh, natural-born birthday name is? Her Princess Latifah. Princess Latifah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fantastic Bingo. guess. Dana Owens. Oh. Yeah. That's not catchy at all. <laughs> no. That's the name of my gym teacher. Oh, yes. But um, Queen Latifah was given to her by her cousin. <laughs> but um, it actually means, in Arabic, it means delicate and sensitive. Oh, that's her all over. <laughs> that just sums it up. All right. She punches a lot of people in that Steve Martin movie, right? She's just, oh, yeah. you're going to get punched in the balls. And she, she punches a lot of... Uh, Missy Pyle in that movie, too. Oh, that's right. She's not super delicate. You wouldn't think of her as like a wilting flower. But um, a couple of crazy things have happened to her over the years. I'm going to list a couple of things, and you guess whether or not I've made this up. She was arrested for assaulting a photographer. It has to be true. Yeah, right? That's true. Because she's They're everywhere. (laughs) Do you think that she would be arrested for carrying a loaded pistol and marijuana? No. Uh, Early (laughs) hip-hop days? You're thinking of Queen Lespleefa. Ah! 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 Uh, I think you're thinking of salt and or Peppa. She was arrested for that, too. That's true. Spliff? Anyway, go ahead. Okay, do you believe (laughs) that perhaps... Is it Do you believe Queen Larifa, maybe. You guys are stupid. All right, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think she was ever carjacked and her friend shot during the carjacking? I'm going to say yes, because you're not making that up. No, it's craziness. All these things are true. She really lived like a (laughs) hip-hop life, right? She uh, had guns on her and everything? And everything, yeah. I mean, I'm talking drugs and guns. Well, once her friend gets shot, then I think you make the secret life of bees or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not going to be doing any of this. And also, the first album that she ever bought was Prince's Purple Rain. I can't falter for that. And it came with a poster of Prince in it, and she hung it on her bedroom wall. Oh, that's the name, The Little Prince. I don't know. I'm trying to bring it full circle. I don't know why. I feel the need to full circle. Please reference that movie. No one's going to watch. No one's going to watch it. I just find it interesting that she would take a picture of Prince, who was very sexual, and put it on her wall. And later, and name herself Queen. And name herself Queen. <laughs> oh. Okay. And then later be a lesbian. So full circle. Oh, is In she? In life? Uh-huh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. She's I was dating. She's living with her personal trainer. I know she just made that movie. Who's that, a woman? Uh, she was a lesbian. Well, the the jazz singer one? Bessie or something? Oh, that would be it. Yeah. It was on HBO. I thought that was common knowledge. Huh? Well. Hey, you broke news to me. Bart Bart, you know how much I Bart's love Bart's still when... over there just going, nice. Not enough stripper talk on that too late movie. <laughs> Bart, you know what I love uh, when celebrities sing? This is true. Matt and Dennis, I'm constantly stopped on the street and people say, tell me two interesting things about that <laughs> yes. Karen Volpe. And the first thing I always tell them is that she will n- not take no for an answer. Unless the question is, are you wearing underwear? And secondly, <laughs> secondly, she loves when celebrities sing. I do. And of course, I'm going to take it easy this time and do a little Queen Latifah because I was curious. We all know that she's a rap star, right? I was right? going to ask. What's but her what song we sung? know? Yeah, what's the song we know? So I went and I said, what how was... Do I know her? I, this is how you know her, I know apparently. her from Chicago, but I'm a movie guy. Right? So. Uh. That stuff I've heard her sing. But yeah. apparently in 1989, I feel so dorky. She had an album out called All Hail the Queen. And this is her hit track from that called Ladies First. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's 89 all over it. Oh, yeah. 
but I don't remember this. No wonder I got her confused with maybe Technotronic, maybe Salt and Pepper. This exact beat is on all <laughs> of those. Everybody <laughs> dance now. It takes two to make a thing go right. Yeah. What's the PM Dawn song? Oh, who cares now? She's wrapping it up. That could be, that could be salt and or pepper. That's not racist if I think that. I feel like this should go at the end of the new Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. There you go. The, yeah, exactly. Hold, hold the hold. The call of Ghostbusters. Because then the control. Put your pressure on pack and you're back and yeah. Does your movie end with a rap song that describes the plot of the movie? Because not all movies do, but most should. No, that was a pretty badass song though. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Does it describe the plot? I don't think. In, uh... It describes the overall feel. Okay. All right, that's close enough. Yeah. But it doesn't go, John Hawks, he went to a strip bar. He met a girl. Yeah. All right, that's the show, everybody. It's Reps, another movie showcast. Together, we're the movie guys. Individually, we are Paul Preston. You can follow us on Twitter at The Movie Guys for daily jokes and links and Facebook.com slash The Movie Guys as well as iTunes, Vimeo, YouTube, Vine, Instagram, etc. Thanks to Dennis Hawk and Matt Miller. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Did you ever imagine you'd be played out by Queen Latifah when you came to the show? I'm, a you few got, times I've thought about right, the possibility. Right. <laughs> what are the, what's the social so people can follow you? It's Facebook.com slash yeah, Too Late Movies, everything. I think uh, Facebook is Too Late the Motion Picture because some short film already had Too uh, Late right? Movie. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go to uh, Too Late Movie.com, everything's connected to there. Listen, let's make no mistake, this is a motion picture. Yes, this isn't just people... Yeah. Goofing around. That's true. They made a movie. People throw around the word movie, but a motion picture, that's yeah. that's a whole different thing. Uh, also, thanks to Steve Schultz for his writing contributions to the show every week. And as always, we owe everything to Pat, Pat Beach. Beach. Next week, we'll be back with sequel week as Batman, Superman, and Greek weddings return for another go-round. We'll see you then. Superman and Batman? I actually get to watch that? Finally. Oh, my God. I know. Like four years we've been talking about it. They're getting married in a Greek wedding. <laughs> <laughs>